Welcome into the July 15th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. On today's show, we're going to be chatting about a couple of the Maple Leaf signings that they made last night, adding some depth to the blue line. Mitch Marner held his uh, fourth annual Marner Assist Fund charity event last night. We'll talk about some of the, the, the main things that came out of that as we had a bunch of Current and former Maple Leafs stop by and speak with the media. And we'll hear from Kyle Dubas as well uh, from a couple of days ago after free agency. Hear what he had to say about uh, day one of free agency. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also now catch us up on YouTube uh, to watch us via video format. Just go check us out, Locked On Leafs on YouTube, and please uh, hit subscribe. Uh, let us know down below in the comment section if you are joining us on YouTube, your thoughts on the new signings. Uh, Jordy Ben and Victor Mete inking new one-year league minimum deals to join the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we'll start there. We'll also get into, into what happened at the Marna Assist Fund last night, and we will hear from Kyle Dubas. Um, so, Dave. Uh, Jordy Ben and Victor Mete. You want to start with with Jordy Ben because I, I think well, I guess I'll basically start with Victor Mete. Victor Mete to me is is very much a tweener at this point. Uh, NHL AHL guy. He might be a Marley's type of player. They already had six guys above him on the depth chart. I would put Jordy Ben above him on the depth chart. And then once Rasmus Sandin, or if he signs, I would also put him on the depth chart ahead of, of Victor Mete. So. To me, he's kind of a tweener type of player, AHL, Marley's type guy who will be able to come up and fill some gaps if some injuries occur. Um, is that your understanding of Victor Mete, or do you have my higher expectations? I I, I don't personally. Yeah. I just think that this is just yeah, adding adding some bodies that we, we you you know a couple of injuries to a couple of defensemen, and then you got to find guys that can step up, and so. Uh, yeah, I, and I think the Marlies also need some bodies too, right? There's a lot of younger, unproven defensemen down there. And so, you know, Victor Mete has that AHL experience. And yeah, this is, this is, that's pretty much all it is. Even Jordy, even Jordy Ben, like he's most likely yeah, higher than Mete on the depth chart, but I'm not expecting him to figure into a, a regular role on this team at all. So like, I'm not going to really like criticize a depth signing, uh, signing unless there were better options out there, which if you look at the defense market, it ain't that great. There's not a really, there's not really much out there that the Leafs, if the Leafs are going to try to improve on their current top six, it's going to have to come, I think most likely by a trade. Like if that's, I think that's going to be the most likely outcome there. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. I mean, I, don't see them being in the market for John Klingberg. Nope. They 
just can't simply afford it. <laughs> I think we all know that. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Neither of these two are going to move the needle. I, I don't think any of these guys, um, unless there's massive injuries, are going to see regular time with the Maple Leafs this season. I, I could see Jordy Ben being like the team's seventh defenseman, just kind of being around because he, he is that guy who has a little bit of bite. And, and we heard Kyle Dubas the other day. We'll play the audio in, in a little bit. We're going to play you the full 15-minute press conference that he had coming off of day one of free agency. But what he did say was, we're still looking to add and, and probably look to add someone um, who can kind of fill Ilya Labushkin's role. More of a right shot, defensive defenseman who's got a little bit of, of grit and depth. And that's kind of what Jordy Ben can be. Like, he's a left shot, but he can play both sides. And, you know, he's he's definitely a dude with jam, right? The brother of, of Jamie Ben. They both probably grew up dropping the mitts, playing mini sticks all the time down in the basement, it seems like, because uh, they both got a little bit of jam to them, which I like. But, yeah, they're, these these two players, like Jordy Ben, I could see being like the seventh, eighth defenseman on the roster. Uh, I don't envision him being like, yes, I will come and play for the Marlies, but he'll compete for, you know, at least a roster spot with the Maple Leafs where Victor Mete, I could totally see him being uh, waiver fodder who – you know, goes and, and it would take a couple injuries for him to come up. But that said, a couple injuries occur. I much prefer Victor Mete over, you know, like what we saw last year. We saw what Carl Dahlstrom have to come up and play some games. And we saw Alex Biega come up and play. Like, I, I at least in Victor Mete is like 230 NHL games in his career. And he's played a lot. He's not a, a, like an overly skilled player. Like he's a small guy, 5'9", 185, local kid from the bridge. Um, but last season, 37 games with the Ottawa Senators, zero goals, just seven assists, a dash 19. That's the first time he was ever a minus player, actually, in his entire NHL career. But um, to be fair, how many Senators players were a plus player last year? Yeah, not not a whole lot. Probably, probably none. To be honest with you, I could actually check and tell you that answer in in a sec. There was Drake Batherson was a plus four, Artem Zub a plus one, Nick Holden was even at zero, and that might be it. That's pretty much it. Pinto more than I expected. <laughs> yeah, so not not a whole lot, not a whole lot. That's impressive for Artem Zub. 81 games to somehow be a plus one on the uh, on that team. Should have won the North just based on that stat alone. Probably should have. Probably should have. Um, but, yeah, so I'm not expecting a whole lot out of these signings. They're depth signings. That's what they are. They're depth, um, and you always need it. Injuries are going to occur throughout the season, and you want to make sure that you have NHL bodies, NHL-quality bodies who can fill in so that you're not just kind of saying, okay, let's toss out Rubens and see what happens. Let's toss out Dahlstrom and see what happens. Let's, you know, Mac Hollowell, go get her, son, like, and, and see what happens. So at least they have guys, warm NHL bodies, who have a ton of talent, and in Jordy Ben's case, has the versatility to play both sides, Mete a lefty, but Ben can play both sides, and he's got jam. You know, I think I saw 50 hits in, like, 37 games last year likes to block shots as well so he can kill penalties. So it's a it's it's a it's a not a bad signing to have. Uh especially a guy that you just have 
as part of your depth going forward. Yeah, and he played for the Minnesota Wild, so like he played for a decent team last year. It's not like he's coming from, you know, a team that was a bottom feeder. So, yep. So that's 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 that. The the thing that I'm wondering is like when, how much longer before we hear about Rasmus Sandin? Because now that's seven or eight defensemen under contract with the Maple Leafs, and Sandin's not one of them. And you know, if, how many defensemen are they going to carry on their roster? Right, like if we think Jordy Ben came here to be part of the Maple Leafs and not the Marlies, which I would assume that's the case. That I mean, I don't think that guy plans on going back down to the minors at 35 years old. One of two things: either they're going to carry eight defensemen on the roster, which is something we haven't seen the Maple Leafs do in a very long time, because well, quite frankly, they rarely carry 23 men on their roster, and they can't really afford to do it, or. Once they sign Sandine, or perhaps Sandine gets moved, but there might be a move in store for defensemen. Am I reading into that a little bit too much, Dave, you think? Or do you believe that could be the case as well? Uh, it's tough. I, 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 You know, we always think that the Leafs are going to go and get this guy, go get this guy, but then it's like you hear Kyle Dubas kind of say, well, we have cap constraints and just couldn't, you know, there's certain things we could and couldn't do. But I do think, like, when you look at this defense, the right side looks like it needs a little bit of work. So I would assume that there's got to be something going on there. Like, this is a case where I just, like, Justin Hall being, like, where's Justin Hall going to play? Like, where does he slot in for next season, right? And and, and I've heard this quite often, is where does Rasmus Sandin even really slot in if he is brought back, right? If Justin Hall is here... Like on the left side, you got Giordano, Muzzin, and, and Riley. Like, is he going to beat up one of those guys? Like, is the, is that the plan for him? For the least to pretty much tell him, hey, if you're going to try to make it on the left side, you got to beat up one of these guys. I I just don't know what what the plan is there, and I I think that's maybe where Rasmus Sandin. I think that's probably what's taking so long for him is he probably looks at it the same way that we do, and he's just like. Where where do I fit into the plan here? And like Caldus has constantly said, you you are the future. He is a part of the future, just like Timothy Lilligren. It's kind of hard to see that when the roadmap to get a regular spot in the NHL is a lot tougher on the left side than it really is on the right side. And how comfortable is he to play on the right side? Like he says he's willing to do it, but is he willing to do it? just to try to make it into the NHL? Like, is that going to have to be the compromise for him? I don't know if that's what he would want to do. Yeah, I, I think, like, he, he's, he did a little bit last year, we saw, and kind of mixed bag in terms of success there. But I don't think he could do it up the lineup. I think he could do it on a third pair quite fine, I would assume. But, hmm. you know, we, we saw what it looked like when he and Morgan Riley ended up pairing up for that one game. Yeah. It didn't go well, and after the game, uh, Sheldon Keefe said, yeah, never doing that again. So you could already kind of take that out of the equation. So then what, are you going to put him with Muzzin? You, you trust Rasmus Sandin as a shutdown defenseman and your sh- as a shutdown role? I'm not so certain I, I agree with that either. So now you're looking at the third pair, but then it's like, okay. So then Timothy Lilligren is getting thrusted into either the top pair of the shutdown. It's it really is interesting um, how the defense shakes up. And I agree with you where I think they probably do need to make one move to go out and get themselves 
a, a stabilizing top four defenseman to play with Morgan Riley, I think. Um, either a guy to play with Riley or, I guess, someone who could also help uh, kind of elevate um, elevate Muzzin's game the way that we saw happen in the playoffs alongside uh, TJ Brody or just play Brody there and find Mar- uh, Morgan Riley a partner. Like I, I think that would be the best case scenario for this offseason. But uh, easier said than done. I- I've always liked Connor Murphy as an option. And it looks like uh, Chicago's taking it down to the studs. So maybe Sandine, you can float him out there and try and get Connor Murphy, uh, you know, locked in. And that's kind of a guy you can throw into your top top four. <clears throat> right shot, big, big frame, rugged, kills penalties, eats minutes. I like that a little bit. We'll see. We'll see what they end up doing with uh, with the blue line. Um, Mitch Marner had his uh, assist fund gala last night. We'll get into that in just a moment. Then we'll also hear from Kyle Dubas and his thoughts on how day one of free agency went for the Toronto Maple Leafs. All that coming up shortly. But before we get there, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors. That's BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news. Uh, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information. Include live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, golf, and Major League Baseball. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. You got Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti, your hosts of the show here with you. Um, so... Not sure if you were got a chance to hear a lot of the interviews that were taking place last night at the Marner Assist Fund Gala last night, uh, the charity event that he holds, the fourth time that he's had this one, which is uh, really awesome. And it seems like there's so much um, support from current and former teammates. I mean, you had so many guys that were there, and and um, – you know, Jack Campbell was here, even though he signed in Edmonton. He flew back in into town, so he was here. Jake Muzzin was here. Nick Ritchie was around. Anthony Sorelli was here, who has, I guess, has ties to Marner. Maybe just, you know, local kids grew up playing together. Um, so lots of support. The captain, John Tavares, obviously. Um, lots of support for, for Mitch Marner. But one thing that I, to be honest, it's not that I forgot that it happened, but I didn't anticipate the media to, to open up about it and ask him about it. But remember when he was involved in that carjacking earlier yeah. this, this offseason? Um, so he opened up about that and and quite, you know, candidly. yeah, quite candidly. Yeah, just to hear him kind of discuss the mental uh, health aspect of it. Like, I thought that when he put out that statement, and like the Leafs kind of addressed it that we wouldn't really hear about it again. Yeah. And to hear him talk about it, and like part of the, you know, the focus of the Marner Sis Fund this year is on mental health and helping those dealing with mental health. So I, I actually applaud him because, you know, the best way to kind of help, I mean, in my opinion, find some of the best ways to help those dealing with mental health is kind of discussing your own 
experiences and it kind of helps those kind of realize that other people, even million dollar athletes go through their struggles. And like, this was not this was like, if you read like the details of this carjacking, like there were like four guys that like, like that approached them and like that yeah. it was, it was very, a very surreal experience. Like it wouldn't, it didn't surprise me to hear that there was some, you know, residual impact but also the realization of how important it is to have resources to help people in these situations and like i think that was i commend him a lot for making that you know a big part of his address when he was discussing that yeah i completely agree um so it's a good on marner not only for coming out and using that uh you know using that that story to, to also address like some mental health issues but also just the the gala as a whole um some interesting other interesting things that came about it obviously with with a whole bunch of maple leaves there and former teammates people asking about what went down in free agency and in the offseason so far john Tavares asked about matt murray and uh his thoughts on him i didn't expect him to go out there and bury the guy anyways i expected him to be very flowery in uh in what he said about murray but Big fan of his playoff pedigree, a guy who got two cups, you know, the classic uh, love that Matt Murray seems to be getting uh, from a lot of people from Toronto. But something else that he mentioned, he says he's, you know, he's been skating and feels lighter. John Tavares, feeling lighter, feeling good out there. Uh, the legs feel good when he's doing his his skating throughout the summer. Do we not hear this from every single player, yeah. every single offseason? Ah, I feel better than I ever have before. I feel like this is going to be my best year. I hope this is the case, but, like, just not buying it, man, unfortunately. I wish I could. I wish I could, but just not buying it. Yeah, I'm not going to hear John Tavares say, ah, you know what? I've been really packing on the pounds this summer, you know, letting myself go and, you know, feel, I'm feeling it on the ice. So I like, I don't expect it to say that. And like, maybe he is realizing that his game has been slow. And so he needs to find a way to get quicker. Like I, like I, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case, but yeah, like I'll believe it when I see it in game action. And, you know, when, when it comes to him trying to, you know, live up to that $11 million contract, which a lot of people believe, well, a lot of people are saying that he has not so far, which I would kind of say this year has been the really, or this past season was the one that was the eye opener. And I think maybe for him it was too. So how do you feel about like, at what point do you think he gets moved to the wing? I was having this conversation with Jonas Siegel yesterday of the athletic and, He's a little bit more on board. Like if they could find someone to replace him in the two hole, whether that's moving Willie into the middle or if they find somebody, I was thinking maybe Dylan Strome, but he obviously signs a deal with Washington. So Damn Washington. <laughs> but like, what about a Paul Stastny? You know, you bring in a Paul Stastny, maybe he could potentially do something and 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 come in and allow Tavares to play the wing a little bit. I know Stastny ended up playing the wing for most of the time last year, but I don't know. I I feel like. Uh, it could open up his game a little more and you could get some more scoring out of him. If you take some of the center duties away from him and he just focuses on being uh being an offensive threat in the top six. And perhaps that's, that's a way to, to try and get it done and, and help maximize the potential 
of a John Tavares is to move him to the wing and, you know, just get him scoring goals again. I think that would be beneficial. That said, in order to do that, they do need to have like a guy who, who can fill in as the number two center. I'm not sold Kerfoot's that guy. Um, so they would have to find somebody in order to, to make that happen, I think. Yeah, like the thing is with John Tavares' game, he's not a speed. He's never been known for his speed. And where the point you have to consider, the, really, really consider the move from center is when defensively he's not able to cut it as a center, right? That's usually when you see teams transition, transition guys away from the middle. Like William Nylander got the speed, got the skating, but the defensive awareness just isn't there for me to say, all right, let's get Willie as that center. It could change, but I think that's probably where the Leafs are with that. I, that potential with Tavares. The other thing too, is his game is based on, you know, possession, right? Cycling. So they just need to find guys that can help them in that regard. And, you know, maybe they find somebody, uh, a, a winger, like almost like a, what Ilya McKayev brought that speed and defensive ability Right. And that'll kind of help him in that regard so that he's not always the guy that has to, you know, bear all the brunt defensively. You can you can do it that way, too. But, yeah, Dylan Strom was obviously the guy that we we talked about a lot and we were really hoping the least could get. But at three and a half million, it seemed like, you know, there was a lot of teams interested as Ellie Freeman reported. So he was going to get a bigger ticket. I think the Leafs were looking to sign. So I, 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 I when I assume half, I would have done it for three and a half million. For I thought the Leafs yeah. would have had to pay to get him anyway, so I wasn't surprised yeah. by that number. But like that, but that's always been kind of the case where like we think the Leafs should go out and get a guy like that, but then you see three and a half million, and it's like, well, yeah, it looks like the Leafs just weren't willing, either weren't willing to pay it, or Dylan Strom looks at the Capitals and say, I like the opportunity there, maybe a little bit more than what the Leafs could have potentially have offered. Um. That, that could certainly be the case. I mean, we haven't heard from Dylan Strom yet. So I, I, and I'm curious to see if maybe somebody does ask him about other teams that he would have considered going to, but yeah, yeah probably not. I mean, talk about Kerfoot. The other thing about Kerfoot, I, I, I want to bring this up too, is that he has one year left on his contract and I don't see him around after this year because he's a guy that could get paid decent coin to be on a team because of the versatility he provides. So if you're the Leafs, do you want to go into the season kind of with him as your own rental or use him to go and get you, get yourself maybe somebody that's a little bit younger or somebody that maybe has a future on could that could have a future on this. Uh, I mean, I, if, if, if I'm the Maple Leafs, like I'm yeah. definitely calling around to see what interest is there in exactly. our and 100% him. He was just paid a bonus on July 13th of like 1.9 million or 95 million, which means the rest of his salary for the season is only 750,000. Yeah. And at a three and a half million dollar cap hit, only $750,000 in actual salary that needs to be paid out. That's very attractive to some internal cap teams. And you could get an asset for that because he's an NHL player, right? Like he's the problem with Kerfoot is he's not a top six guy on a, championship team but yeah. he can give you effective top six minutes i think on you know a, a, a medium middle of the pack to lower end um team right I, I think he can give you effective 
top six minutes. Uh, perhaps, you know, Chicago, maybe they, they just need bodies. So that could be, yeah. you know, if they make some sort of deal, if they'd be interested just in that NHL warm body, like an Alex Kerfoot, it's not going to cost a lot, but it'll get you to the floor. Potentially that's something that could work out or, or whatever other team there is around the league. But yeah, I, I would, I, I would prefer to utilize the cap space that is being used up on Alex Kerfoot and kind of reallocate that elsewhere, whether that is on a top four blue liner um, or that is on a, a, a actual top six, you know, scoring winger potentially. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there where I'm, I'm looking at, at Alex Kerfoot and thinking would be nice if, if that contract could get off the books. And I don't think it'd be overly difficult. I think that he would garner a return. It wouldn't be a cap dump. But I think you can get an okay. asset for him especially given the the way the contract is structured. Um, you want to get to Kyle Dubas? Let's get to Doobie. All right. So uh, Kyle Dubas spoke after, what was it, what, Wednesday? Yeah, after Wednesday, day one of free agency, Kyle Dubas uh, spoke to the media on the plethora of moves that he made, Samsonov, Abe Kubel, Adam Gaudet, and then I think Mulgan actually came in after he had signed, so he doesn't touch on Mulgan, but then touches on, you know, there's still some more that we want to do. He went out afterwards and brought in Mulgan, Ben, and Mete, um, and then he also spoke uh, for the first time on the um, on the Matt Murray situation as well. So we're just going to play the full 15-minute uh, press conference for you guys so that you can hear everything that he had to say, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Uh, thanks for coming out, everybody. Um, obviously, a number of transactions over the next, uh, the last several days. Uh, Matt Murray from Ottawa, uh, Ilya Samsonov signed uh, as a free agent from Washington. Um, in addition, today uh, with Adam Gaudet and, and Nicholas Obey-Kubel, uh, and then the obvious departures uh, from our organization. We're thankful for uh, the efforts. Um, Jack Campbell, Ilya Labushkin, and Ilya Mikheyev over the last several years obviously did a very nice job for us and, and were rewarded well uh, elsewhere. So we're very happy for them and look forward to continuing to move along here. So I'll, I'll uh, open for questions. The difference in pay between Jack AAV-wise, I know Tony's different, but yeah. AAV-wise, it's not that great between Jack and, uh, sure. and Matt. What's the difference in your mind? I think the difference is, as you alluded to, it just be the term as we got through and evaluated uh, we knew from very clearly from from Jack's representatives what the the combination of terms and dollars would look like, and and uh, you know for us we we thought it's a 28 year old goaltender um, coming in, which was the same age you think Jack was when he came in here, um, and a 28 year old goaltender with that pedigree obviously doesn't I think everyone knows and Matt would acknowledge himself uh, not a great uh, finish in Pittsburgh and uh, you know, the first year in Ottawa the things that were. Um, for me, the determining factors were number one is pedigree, but number two, and, and more importantly, I think to, in the short run, the way that he performed uh, once he came back up from Belleville there before getting injured at the end of the year. So uh, showing the, the signs of the goaltender that uh, that he's uh, that he's been in the past. And it's a two-year commitment with him and a one-year commitment with Ilya. They're both young enough that we will give them the, the runway here and, and uh, see if they can become the long-term solution in net. But we also have our own young young goaltenders coming and on the way so it's we're, we're hopeful that over the course of the next two seasons uh, starting with this season here that 
um, that these guys can all push themselves and, and uh, begin to run with the gear for us. How much did uh, cup experience come into play with signing guys like Ole I, I think you know that it's it's nice and it's great that he's gone through that as a as a key member of that group, David. Um, but to me, I think Sheldon really felt that he could add a lot and with losing Ilya's speed. It, you know, Nicholas provides that a lot of it and forechecking pressure, able to get up the ice. He can you know shown in in, uh, in major junior and also. Um, in the American League and in the NHL, started. if he has time and space, he can also shoot. And so I will look to continue to work with him, bring him along. Obviously, a, a good season with Colorado and, and the cup experience, I think, always helps. How much, uh, I'm, I'm not sure uh, every single year, but you'd rather have it than not. What's the personal connection with Matt Murray mean to you? I, I think, you know, that, that I think gets a little bit overstated a bit, Lance. I mean, it's, I know what he's about and I've seen him uh, in challenging moments but at a much different level a long time ago I think the things that override all of that for me are, are what he did in Pittsburgh uh, you know five years ago and then the way that he played this year in the back half of the year to kind of show that that's still there you know I think knowing the character of the person always helps but uh, and, and having a previous experience with him always helps but um, if not for that pedigree and, and what he's accomplished and, and what he showed that it, it wouldn't be a fit so there's lots of players that I know uh, in the league from, from my time with the Sioux or with the Marlies or, or here mm -hmm. um, that just aren't fits and, and we deem Matt as a fit. Both Delia and, uh, and Matt have been starters in the league before. Do you have a sort of an idea as to who you think might be the guy that is the primary starter or is that still open to competition? Uh, it'll be wide open to, to competition. We'll give them both, uh, both a good run here mm -hmm. and, and um, our hope is that you know both play well uh, as well as they they can and we'll get to work with them here you know mid-September and get them rolling but I think that, that'd be a great thing for us if both of them play the way that we think that they can. Samsonov? I think he's very young obviously has a has a great pedigree and, and had great potential I think just in, in going through his situation and, and speaking with uh, you know with, with his people here today and getting to learn about it a little bit he seems very highly motivated and the thing that stood out to me Josh more than anything was that he was you know he really wanted it to be a one-year kind of show me bet on yourself type deal um, which is not always common with players coming off of uh, you know the shock I think of being non QO'd when he wasn't expecting it and so we were that was impressive to me and combined with with the evaluation of our, of our uh, player personnel department and goaltending department of what he can become if we can work with him and get him uh, get him on the right track. Outside of signing your own RFAs, do you feel like you're done now, or do you think you're going to be looking at a second wave of guys? No, I think we're we're we've we've got the ability to continue to look and see what the best fits are going to be as as uh, the market kind of begins to dry a little bit and. We have our own flexibility and different things that we can do. Uh, we have space. We have roster spots that are still available for you know really all different kinds of players. Um, you know we we'd like to add another depth piece on defense and and up front. It's very flexible in terms of what we can what we can add there. So I don't I don't think that we're done. I think we're certainly open to to you know, depth on D and then uh, certainly uh, really any combination of players up front but we'll just see how things shake out they're obviously going to have to be guys that look at our situation and, and say I can go there for a year or two uh, on relatively low uh, dollars and, and, and uh, 
that the group would be a fit for me to have success and then parlay that into something greater. Are you exploring the trade market at all still? or yeah, Everything's wide open. I don't, well, we're always exploring the trade market. I mean, it, that's the part of the part of the job and I think that's a little bit on the back burner today at the start but then probably pick back up as it goes. Yeah, you did your due diligence with Murray in terms of his medical situation. What gives you confidence that he's going to be able to stay healthy here moving forward? Yeah, we were able to actually, you know, Ottawa was great and Pierre, we were actually able to have him come in and, and go through a full run of uh, run of his medical situation with our medical staff and performance staff. So um, we felt pretty good about where he was at with that. I think with any player there's always a risk, and any player that's had injuries in the past, that injury, that risk is, I mean, there's, there's no reason to dance around it. it it's always greater. But uh, in his situation, we were able to bring him in, which is not common at this time of year, and, and get a full rundown on him. And, and we feel good about where he's at and the work that he's putting in to make sure that he, he stays in that, uh, in that condition. What do you like about uh, Adam? I just, he's, a, he's someone that we, we, we played against him a lot. He was in Vancouver there and then obviously went to Chicago for a short stint and then Ottawa this year. Uh, it's, you know, he's, especially when he first came out of Northeast, he was excellent at Northeastern. Then when he came out with Vancouver, he had that over 30 points in 50 some games and he's had a few years where it's, it's not gone as uh, smoothly for him. Um, I thought at the World Championships for the U.S., he, he really uh, showed that form that he had when he first came out from Northeastern and looked to be confident again and empowered a little bit uh, with Team USA. So we were, you know, it's, it's one of these bets that we make a few times every summer, and he seems very ambitious to, to get to work. Just in speaking with him today and, and, and doing the, the background on him as we got set and talking to people that he's trained with and such that he certainly, you know, he had a, a we learned he had a bit of a, an illness that caused him to lose a lot of weight. He's got that uh, figured out now, so he's stronger than ever. And we just think it's a guy that, that we can work with here and, and um, see what happens. When there's so many guys who are just not qualified, does that help with teams that are kind of struck that they're, they're younger guys that are willing to take maybe a little bit lower to bet on themselves again and, and turn that into... I think the, there's a combination of it, Dave. I think one of the things that also helps here is other players have seen guys, whether they've been free agents or they've been in it, like if you go back last year, like a camp and bunting uh, that came in and, and had some success. But then also uh, we, we brought, you know, we brought Bush in in that uh, Arizona trade with, uh, with Richie and he comes in and plays well and, and I'm, well, I'm real happy for him, you know, that, that uh, he was able to find a good spot and, and Buffalo would be a great fit for him with, uh, as they continue to come along with their young D. So it's, for us, I find that, you know, we're, it's, it's becoming a situation, I think it's really just because of the players that they can play with here, that, that they look at it and, and it's, it's enticing for them. So um, I think that certainly helps where, you know, Whereas in the past, when the cap was steadily climbing, there was more dollars readily available for free agents that could be paid what they felt they were going to get when they walked into the marketplace. Are you close at all? Shape kind of the fourth Oh, I think so. I think we're just we want it to be really effective, Jonas. We've got all different types of guys. We always you got Clifford and uh, and Simmons returning, but you also have Joey Anderson and Nick Robertson and Curtis Douglas and Bobby McMahon and Pontus Holmberg pushing from. From the minors, now you had uh, Obey Kubel today, and, and and others that are in that mix to, to be there. So, um, you know, we we would like it to be a, a line that can be heavily relied on for us, like our others, but more just more physicality, more competitiveness, and drive the play down the ice and be relied upon for Sheldon that way. Most of were twenty five percent retention from that early, maybe not more. Uh, I mean that that was uh, that was what we agreed on with with them. That was the seemed to be the the common thing that that uh, they were able to do. 
um, uh, when, in all the discussions they were having on Matt. So um, we'd love to have uh, pushed for more and, and done a better deal, but it was either make that deal or, or move move on elsewhere, and, and we elected to make the deal. Did, Did you try to get a third team involved? And uh, Blackwell? Uh, not, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. No. Did, did you try to get a third team involved to take another 25? I, I think, I mean, as you see today, the, I mean, and we've gone through in the past, the, the cost of doing that to us would outweigh the, outweigh the entire you know, state of affairs, especially on a two-year deal with that. It, it's, it's heavily backloaded in, in cash. So I, we, you know, we look at that and we kinda, we, we've been involved in a lot of those deals, both for and against. Mm -hmm. And the cost of it to us would just far outweigh the, the benefit of doing so, especially because of our belief in that. How would you describe the progress? Has there been any progress, Kyle, on Rasmus Sandin's front? I mean, I, I think we'll, we'll get back to Lewis Gross and, and Rasmus here in the, in the coming days. Our focus has been here now, but I, I don't think it's all too complex a situation. How would so you, you describe the conversations, the conversations that you had with Jack in the negotiating process? I mean, he's been so upfront about his love for this city and this yeah. fan base and everything. Yeah, he and I talked on Saturday and then we've exchanged texts and calls here today and we'll talk later tonight. Um, but I mean, obviously he, he came in here at a time when we really desperately needed, you know, Fred was injured and, and he came in from LA. Um, you know, his, his year to, to that point in LA was not as, as, has not going as well for him and they were going to bring Cal Peterson in. Um, and so he came in here at a time where we really needed him and uh, and was outstanding for for us and then obviously everyone has watched the subsequent years since right where he's been uh, he's kind of taken over and you know you, you see how much he cares about uh, the team and the city and his teammates but also um, you know the, the, the level of accountability which you would all see every time he was on zoom and then now we're back here uh, that he takes every single night and, and you certainly appreciate that and you never forget that type of stuff but um, you know, in in, uh, in the end, you have to make decisions that are best. Do you think for the future of the team, regardless of what you think about the person personally? Is the thing stand with uh, Pierre Engvall as well? Uh, he's uh, we qualified him, so we'll it'll come to its a solution. I, I, again, I don't think that one's as complex either. And, and Claude Lemieux and Brandon have talked a lot about it. He's it'll be an arbitration uh, settlement at, at worst, or an arbi arbitration award at worst. But hopefully, we can get it uh, done before that. Does talking to keep John? Center, I think John, to, to me, until I, I don't see signs right now that he needs to move over. If we have someone that's a good enough center, obviously, I, I, I don't think anyone's going to replace Austin in that role. But if there's somebody there that it makes sense to shift John over or, or have another center that comes in that has to shift over themselves to play with Austin or John, I think anything that makes our team better will look at John. Would, would you look at moving Mitch in the middle? It's it's not anything that's ever come up. I I, I don't know that we want to. You know, Mitch has been a first team All Star right wing the last two years, so uh, we got we got enough things to worry about rather than that stuff. What sort of def defenseman are you looking for? Are you looking more for that Labushkin kind of physicality, or what are you looking yeah, for? Yeah, there's a you know, preferably a right shot with some uh, right shot with some physicality and, and some competitiveness. That would size and strength. That would be what we look for, Martin. Is Having signed Hill to be, how excited are you to see him? At the Eagle Camp, great. I mean, we would be excited to see him regardless. Yeah. But you know, having it, having that done and, and uh, having him sign now makes it just a little bit more clear. Um, it was you know, they, the Newport Sports represents him, and they were excellent to deal with right right after the draft. Obviously, he's a little bit older, so mm -hmm. getting that one done and getting that developmental 
track uh, moving a little bit quicker would be great. He's got, you know, we buy rights, we have to send him back to Fardistad next year, but we'll see how it goes in development camp and, and uh, where he stands in the order. It's a little bit different a prospect because of the age. So, um, but we're, uh, you know, we're, we're quite excited about him. Uh, it's been a bit of an unorthodox path, but mm -hmm. be excited to have him come in here. Is the door still open for someone like Kasha, depending on how things yeah. shake up? Yeah, the door's still open for sure. We, we loved having him here, and I mean, I think it was a, it was a good year for him as well, and so whatever, uh, we'll, we'll see how things shake out here in the next day or so, and if, uh, if it can work out, then that'd be great. Do you think Rasmus could be an option as a right side defender moving forward here, or? I, I, the more versatility we can have, the better, Mark. So, I mean, I, I like him on the left. He's a left shot, and I mean, we have, you know, we have the guys there. But you know, between, as I, I think I said, uh, I, maybe it was a week ago now when we, we were in Montreal uh, before the draft. I mean, for, for us, Timothy and Rasmus continuing to develop in, in their in their spots is going to be key in the next number of years as, as some of our other guys. Um, you know, continue to, to uh, age a little bit. We need those guys to take on more minutes, more responsibility, and, and really be the future of the group on defense for us. You can look into banning Edmonds from the scouts from the press That's just the way it goes sometimes. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's great for them. They'll be the, it's, you know, the, the, the two guys that have gone there in the last two years have been great people and, and players for us. So, I mean, I'm happy for, happy for them and was happy to see the success for them this season. But, uh, you know, it's, that's sometimes just the way it goes coincidentally. But yeah, I don't think we'll be banning anybody yet. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks All right. So there is Kyle Dubas, the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Some good information there. Um, we'll see what else he's got in store going forward because Got to tell you, Dave, I look at the roster, even with the additions of, of Jordy Ben or Mete, and then Samsonov, the goalie tandem. Uh, I, I'm still not sold that this is a Stanley Cup caliber team. Like, I, I, I'm not sure this team got necessarily better than they were in Game 7 of, the, of, of Round 1 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but, but there's still a lot of time left. A lot of time left, and as Kyle said, there's still some some cap space and some moves that he intends on making. Hopefully, they are of the bigger variety <clears throat> to what we've seen so far. That will do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morasuti. Uh, that will do it for us today. We'll be back with another episode on Monday. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leaps.